This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. It's really good to see you. Thank you for being here this morning. Am I on? I am on. I can begin, start to hear myself now. That's, uh, that's always good. Excellent. Well done for uh, navigating road changes and different car parts and for, for making it through the challenge this morning. So thank you for being here. I've been really looking forward to this morning. I'll tell you what I'm going to speak about uh, in a moment. Uh, but just to uh, add to what uh, James Naomi said, baptisms are on the 30th of June. Going to be at 2.45pm at Queen's Leisure Centre in the city centre. I know it's an odd time. It is an odd time. But the reason for that is we've got a window of opportunity to use the pool between other activities and lessons. So uh, we've got that <coughs> time there. So 2.45, if you haven't been baptised yet and you'd like to be, please come and see me afterwards and we'd love to talk to you about that. Just one other thing to mention uh, before I get into... Uh, the preach this morning is that we are talking this week as elders and uh, talking and praying uh, about prayer in the church. And one of the things we'd love to do is to pray together on a Sunday morning before the service. And um, the band uh, often will pray together. Uh, some of us involved in the meeting might do that as well. But we'd like to open it up and say, for anybody... We'd like to pray together for 15 minutes before the morning meeting on a Sunday. So at 9.30, so from 9.30 to 9.45, we're going to pray in the room there. And uh, Paul, can you just go and open that door for me? Thank you very much. <coughs> it will not set an alarm off when you walk through. In there will be the prayer room. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, Paul. Nicely modelled. So 9.30 from next Sunday, okay, 9.30, if you'd like to come and join us to pray for 15 minutes, uh, then that would be fantastic. So the band will probably still be uh, finishing up then, um, but if you want to come and join us to pray and seek God for the morning meeting, we'd love to have you part of that. That is not just for people involved in the meeting, that is now for anybody, okay? Does that sound good? So set the alarm a little bit earlier. No excuse of road races or marathons or anything else next Sunday. Be here 9.30. And we'll finish by quarter to 10 in order that we can be out here around to welcome anybody visiting for the first time. Okay? So that is the plan of Sundays from now on. Does that sound good? <coughs> Excellent. So, this morning is our next message in our series through the book of Acts. And it's also, at the same time, the first in a new series that we're starting as well. So it's like you've got two-for-one offer, really. It does two things, this morning's message. Continues the next subject, the next passage, rather, in Acts, and kicks us off. So, as many of you will know, we've been running the uh, Pursuing His Presence Academy for the last couple of years here in Derby. We've been running the, the conference uh, for a few years. Oh, a bit of a rabbit trail here, side thing. Uh, we've been invited to run a Pursuing His Presence conference in Gothenburg in, in October, which is very exciting, uh, which is uh, in Europe. 
in Sweden. I do know. Thank you very much. If you'd like to come be part of that, then you're very welcome. You could come. Uh, you'll need to work out your own transportation, be it hitchhike, drive or fly. Uh, but we, we can recommend some places where you might be able to uh, arrange to stay. There's, there's various uh, hotels and B&Bs around in the city near the venue. But if you'd like to come be part of that, then see me or see David afterwards and we can tell you a little bit more about that. So that's the Pursuing His Presence in, in Gothenburg. We've been running the conference uh, each year, which has been going really well. We had Jared Cooper with us just a few weeks ago, which is a whole lot of fun. And we've been running the academy uh, throughout the year as well, which a number of you have done. Some of you may even be on it at the moment. But what we thought it would be really good is to look at some of those subjects that we've covered on the academy on a Sunday morning and use that sort of subject list, if you like, as some things to cover uh, as a whole church on a Sunday. And so we're going to do that probably on around about a monthly basis. We're going to take one of those subjects uh, and look at that uh, over the course of a year or so, interspersed with other things that we'll be looking at as, as, we, pre as we preach through. Um, <clears throat> so that's the sort of the plan that we've got. This morning... Let's be talking about being shaped, being equipped, being filled by the Holy Spirit. It's the next passage in Acts. We'll read some verses together in a moment. But it's also the foundation to what we talk about on the Pursuing His Presence Academy. Actually, if we're going to talk about spiritual gifts, particularly the prophetic, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the, the starting point to that. So it's quite appropriate, isn't it, for Pentecost Sunday? If we're going to look at it, we can look at this subject anytime. But particularly for Pentecost, this seems like a great opportunity to look at this subject afresh. So that's what we're going to do. And then in a few weeks' time, uh, we're going to have another opportunity to look at the Pursuing His Presence series. So Naomi's going to look at the subject of identity in Christ. In July, David's going to look at your personal walk with God, and there'll be some other things that we'll look at together in the autumn. But about once a month, we'll be touching some of these subjects together. So that's all very exciting, isn't it? Pleased about that? That sound good? So what we're going to do this morning is look at the next passage in Acts, and then we're going to pray and see what God has for us. So if you've got a Bible with you, if you'd like to turn, please, to Acts chapter 19. <clears throat> This is Paul in Ephesus. Acts 19, verses 1 through to 7. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they said. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness that we've referred to already this morning. And then we thank you for this next passage in our study through Acts. And we pray now as we consider these verses this morning that, God, you would speak to us. But not only would you speak to us, would you come and empower us afresh. Lord, on this Pentecost Sunday, would you come and fill us afresh with your Spirit. For your glory, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this subject of baptism in the Holy Spirit then, why is it important? Why is it something that we need to, to look at? Well, the really quick answer is because Jesus said so. So I'm done. That's it. <laughs> Seriously, thank you very much. That's it. Why is it important? Because Jesus felt it was important. It's something that he talked about and said it was. It's important because without this, you're missing out. Without this, you're not uh, in all that God has for you. Actually, it's the foundation of God moving powerfully in and through your life. It's important that we understand this is for every Christian, for every believer. This is not about how long have you followed Jesus for. This is about everybody. Baptism in or, or filling with the Holy Spirit is what gives you power to live as a Christian. Too many Christians try to live a life following Jesus, but without the power that he provides to do it. That's crazy, isn't it? But I know it's true because I was one of those people for many years. Maybe you are too, or perhaps you were. I became a Christian at quite a young age. I was baptized when I was 15. And I wasn't filled with the Spirit until I was 22. So for many years, I was trying to follow Jesus, be obedient to him, and try to fulfill uh, what he'd said but without the power that he gives to do it. Well, that's bonkers, isn't it? Why would you do that? Why did I do that? But actually, the truth is, that's where many Christians are at. And maybe you're there this morning, or maybe you can relate to that's perhaps how you were. I reckon the ideal is that you're baptized with or filled with the Spirit when you become a Christian. That would seem the ideal, wouldn't it? Right from day one, bang, filled with the Spirit, you've got power then to to live as a Christian. But for many people, that's not their experience. It happens at a subsequent or later date. <clears throat> you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. When Paul came across this group of believers here in Ephesus, as we read about in Acts chapter 19, his first question to them is this, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? It's an important issue for Paul, one that he wants to bring clarity about. Did you notice here that Paul is unafraid to ask the question? Straight in there. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? You might go, whoa, Paul, that's a bit harsh, isn't it? Like, straight in there asking that question. But listen, for Paul it was so important. It was fundamental. It was critical to their, their life as believers. Paul doesn't assume anything. 
He wants to ensure correct belief and practice. I think sometimes we make assumptions, don't you? We sort of assume people are throwing it. We assume they understand. We assume, oh, they've been around church for a while, they must get it. Hey, I've been around a church for a long time and I didn't get it. And I don't think it's just that I was particularly slow. Now, maybe you could argue there's some truth in that. We'll talk about that in a moment. But it's not unusual. Paul brings clarity and then baptizes the believers in water in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do you notice no long baptism classes here? Straight in. When I was baptized as a teenager, I had to complete a six-week baptism class to make sure that I was thoroughly saved and knew and understood what I was doing. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That was a good thing. It, it helped me understand some stuff. But friends, it's not what we see in Scripture. It's believe and be baptized. Not believe, do a six-week class and then be baptized. It's believe and be baptized straight away as an expression of faith. And, and the early believers here, I mean, do you think they actually got it completely all sewn up? Had they really understood everything? Had they had a chance to sort of walk in their newfound identity for very long? Well, no, not really. But it wasn't about that. It was an outward expression of what had happened already internally in their hearts. So Paul brings clarity then he baptizes them in water. Believe and be baptized. 30th of June, quarter to three in the afternoon, Queen's Leisure Centre. If you're a Christian here today and haven't been baptized, then I want to invite you to be baptized on that afternoon. Come and speak to me afterwards. But <clears throat> their obedience doesn't stop there. Paul is also keen to ensure they're baptized in the Spirit as well as in water. He knows that to live the Christian life, power is required. How many of you know that this morning? It's true, isn't it? To live the Christian life, power is required. He doesn't want these new believers just to muddle through, just to make their best efforts. No, no. He wants to ensure that they are filled with the Spirit and empowered to live as Jesus wants them to. In Acts chapter 1, actually, Acts 1, Jesus does tell the, <laughs> the disciples to wait, doesn't he? Like waiting earlier. But he's waiting for a reason. Waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. Now, we look back on that. They were still looking forward. We'll look at that in a moment. But Jesus knew that power was required for the early church. He knew that the disciples, the apostles there, needed to receive the Holy Spirit before stepping out into the ministry that God had got for them. Jesus tells them to wait, knowing that they need something before they go. Just as your physical body needs food to function correctly, then your spiritual life it's the baptism of the Spirit in order to step into all that God has for you. 
Baptism in the Holy Spirit is not just an optional extra for the super keenies or for the leaders or when you've you know, reached that 20-year milestone or whatever it might be. Friends, this is for every believer. I want you to believe that this morning. This is for every Christian. It's not a reward for long service or obedience. In fact, without this, you may not get to long service or obedience. And it all starts with the question that Paul asks these believers in Ephesus. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? So right at the beginning of this message, I want to ask you, have you received the Holy Spirit? Just as Paul asked these believers in Ephesus, let me ask you, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, to be clear, it's the Holy Spirit that leads you to repentance. You cannot even make a decision to follow Jesus, to respond to what he's doing, to respond to his invitation to you without the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit is thoroughly, totally involved in leading you to that point of conversion. You will not get there without his work in your life. But that's not the same as the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So these believers have been baptized in water and then are about to be filled or empowered by or baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm using all those phrases interchangeably, quite deliberately so. But do you notice that the Bible in other places, well look at it, in Acts chapter 1, makes it really clear that this power is for a purpose. In Acts 1, Jesus tells the disciples to wait. Remember, he's looking forward to another time still. He says, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift my father promised. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's Acts chapter 1. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. Do you notice how Jesus links baptism with the Holy Spirit and witnessing? Filling with power and speaking of Jesus. This is power for a purpose. The Holy Spirit brings power to witness, power to reach out. It's not about a fuzzy feeling or falling over in a meeting, though those things may happen. Not just about Holy Spirit goosebumps. I love Holy Spirit goosebumps. But it's power for a purpose. Power to witness. Power for life. Power to speak of Jesus in your Jerusalem, your Samaria, your ends of the earth. We had a day away as elders just a few weeks ago. <clears throat> we spent some considerable time worshipping and praying together. And unsurprisingly, God spoke to us, as often happens when you pray and worship together. 
We felt God stir us with a fresh focus and passion to reach out and see the lost saved. Something that I'd been feeling a little bit of since being at a meeting a couple of weeks or so prior to that, where I felt challenged to repent for settling, for not pushing forward and not being more passionate about seeing people saved. And then God spoke to us as elders about raising our sail again. It's like putting the sail up on the boat again. It's like, let's go again on this. Let's ask God that we would see people saved. So this is not just something for Ray and Derek and a few other enthusiasts. Friends, this is for all of us. Jesus talks about receiving the Spirit and being his witnesses. Those things go together. And God put in our hearts on, on that day a fresh passion for the lost, for those who are far from God. If you've been at prayer meetings over the last month or two, you might have heard me speak about this. Feel God stirring us afresh for that. We ought to like raise our sail again on the boat of Jubilee and say, God, blow on us in order that we might reach those who don't know Jesus yet. Filling with the Spirit and reaching the lost go hand in hand. So I want to encourage us not to settle for the status quo, either in our understanding of the Holy Spirit or in terms of salvation either. Our vision statement says that we want Jubilee to be a vibrant community shaped by the Spirit, equipped by the Word and sent to the nations. And we are a sent people, aren't we? The Holy Spirit equips us to go. Will that be to our neighbours or our work colleagues or the next town or the next nation? God sends us to go to reach people for him. And it's the Holy Spirit that puts that passion in our hearts. Just like Jared was saying the other week at our conference, that we pursue his presence, we hear his voice, and then we act. That's where the adventure is. It's in the acting. I'm all for pursuing his presence, but it's not just an end in itself. It's in order that we might encounter him afresh. He might change us from the inside out and equip us and empower us to reach people for him, to hear his voice and to then to act. But that only comes by the power of the Spirit. It only comes by God speaking, that still small voice, the Holy Spirit speaking to us and leading us into these things. So who is then the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We read about him right throughout Scripture. It's not that he just pops up in Acts and goes, surprise, I'm here as well. No, no, no. Right throughout Scripture, you read of the Holy Spirit. He was involved in creation. Throughout the history of God's people, we read about in the Old Testament. He is there and active, equal with God the Father and Jesus the Son. He is not some wispy, ghost-like force. This is God himself. 
Genesis 1 verse 2. It says, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Right at the beginning of creation, the Holy Spirit is active and at work. And throughout the Old Testament, you read about the Holy Spirit coming to particular people at particular times for particular reasons. And he empowers different people in different seasons for certain jobs that he has for them to do. For example, Solomon. God gives him wisdom by the Holy Spirit. Samson, God gives him strength by the Spirit. And there are other examples as well you could look through. <clears throat> but always the Old Testament looks forward to another day, another time, things, when things will be different, when it wouldn't quite be like that. Because there's a promise that one day God's Spirit will be poured out on all who believe. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29, says this, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. When are those days? Friends, those days are now. Right now. Ever since the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, which we'll look at in a moment. So you've got the Holy Spirit active in the Old Testament, but Old Testament believers looking forward to another day, another time when things will be different, when the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon all people. So what does the New Testament say? Well, John the Baptist promised the Holy Spirit. Mark chapter 1, verse 8, John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water, but he, talking about Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, too, talks about the coming of the Spirit. John chapter 7. Verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So Jesus himself promises the coming of the Spirit. And the context here is a festival or a, or a feast. It's a festival or feast of tabernacles. And the Jews are looking back to a time in their history when God was faithful, when God provided for them. They're looking back and remembering a time when they were in the desert following Moses. They had no water. What did Moses do? Do you remember? He strikes the rock and water gushes out. And we're not talking about a trickle here. We're not talking about a small tap. We're talking about enough water 
to supply all the needs of around 2 million or so people, plus all their animals. This is supernatural provision. This is a lot of water gushing out from this rock that God has provided for them. And so the Jewish people remember this in this feast. And in the last and the greatest day of the feast, when Jesus stood up and spoke, on that day they, they go to the top of the steps of the temple they used to fill these large jars of water and they would pour the water down the steps of the temple to symbolize this water that God had provided for them. So just as all this is happening, as water is gushing down the temple steps, as they're remembering God's faithful provision for them because he is good, remember? At that moment... Jesus says, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. They're just talking about a time when they were parched, when they were really thirsty in their history. Jesus says, hey, if you're thirsty, come to me. Come to me. Jesus talks about living water just as they are pouring water down the temple steps. And flowing water, time and time again, is a picture used in the Bible to symbolize the work of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. On the cross, that rock was struck. Rock of Jesus. So that the Holy Spirit could be poured out. If you had gone to Jesus on that day, he would have still said, wait, but not for long, because another day was coming very soon, not long at all. Jesus promises to send someone, not just an impersonal force, but a person, the person of the Holy Spirit. Now we look back on that day of Pentecost, don't we, which we'll read about in a second. Because now, every day is a stream-flowing day. Every day is a, is a life in the Spirit. Every day God can come to you and fill you afresh. You haven't got to wait for a particular occasion or location or time. No, no. Now, every day is a stream-flowing day. I feel this morning that God wants to let some fresh rivers flow. Maybe for some of you this morning, where that river of life of the Spirit in you has got a bit clogged. Do you know what I mean? Like rivers get clogged up with stuff. Maybe for you this morning, your river of life has got clogged up with stuff. Not necessarily sinful, but maybe. Not necessarily May just be some other stuff that's got in the way of what God wants to do. This morning I feel that God wants to do some unblocking and let some fresh rivers flow. <clears throat> in my daily readings at the moment, I'm going through 1 and 2 Timothy. And I was reading from 2 Timothy chapter 1 the other day where Paul tells Timothy to fan into flame 
the gift of God. I feel like today is a day for some of you to fan into flame the gift of God. It's like God's given you a gift, but it needs breathing on afresh by the Spirit. And you need to fan into flame. And actually, there's a feeling of the Spirit that is coming to equip and empower you afresh. To enable you to fan into flame. I just feel for some of you this morning, you're like, I'm not even sure I could do that on my own. You feel so dry and thirsty. You're not sure that you could fan it into a flame. I feel God wants to come to you afresh and breathe life and let his river flow and then enable you to fan into flame that gift that he's given you. Maybe if you feel like there's nothing left for you to fan into flame. This morning, God wants to to breathe again. There's some streams I feel God wants to unlock this morning and some gifts to fan into flame. That relate to any of you? Just put your hand up if that's you. I just want to pray real quick. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah. Father, I want to pray right now for all my brothers and sisters who are responding. <laughs> Lord, I want to pray that today would be a, a day of unblocking streams. That, God, it would be a day of breathing fresh life on what you have spoken in the past. That, God, where stuff has got in the way, that today would be a day of unblocking and fresh life flowing. So, God, would you come, please, afresh? Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Ooh. We're going to pray a little bit. I'd love to pray for you guys who, who responded. I feel there's some things that God wants to do this morning. <clears throat> so Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, talks about it being like a river that flows through your life, river of life. And Jesus uses this phrase about being baptized with the Holy Spirit. He says, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What does it mean? Well, I think it's fascinating. It's the same word that we use when we talk about baptizing people in water. Sometimes people say to me, why do you use the word baptize in the Holy Spirit? I'm like, well, it's the word the Bible uses. So if it's good enough for the Bible, it's, it's good enough for me. Well, the word that's used in Scripture would have been used in everyday language. I mean, it's not a word that we use in everyday language, it's baptism. But for biblical times, it would have been a word that was used. You might talk about a ship being baptized off the coast means it had sunk. It had been totally covered with water, totally drenched. You might talk about baptizing a piece of cloth in a bucket of dye in order to change its color, where this cloth will be totally covered and drenched in this dye to, to change, the cover, change the color. When we baptize people in water, you know, they go into a lot of water right away under. You know, they, they know it has happened. 
I've never baptized anybody in water where they've said, did that really happen? They know. They're covered, drenched, dripping. Same word that's used to describe filling and empowering with the Holy Spirit. And so, all these Old Testament references, John the Baptist and then Jesus himself, still looking forward to another day when the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out on all people. We get to that just a bit later in Acts. You turn over the page to Acts chapter 2. I'll scroll to your next chapter. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues and the Spirit enabled them. So happens that today is a day of Pentecost in the church calendar. Good day to be talking about this, isn't it? You think we planned it? Hey, maybe we did. But listen, any day can be your day of Pentecost. It doesn't just have to be one day a year in the church calendar if you follow that. Every day can be your day of Pentecost. So how does it happen? How do you receive? Well, for some people, they receive the Holy Spirit. They're filled with the Holy Spirit at the same time as, they, as they're saved, same time as they put their trust in Jesus. For many, however, it's a later experience, like we see here with these believers in Ephesus. And it often happens through the laying on of hands. You actually see both examples in Scripture, some at the moment of conversion, some later. Both, both things seem to happen then, and I guess that's our experience now. Both things happen now as well. But I want to ask you this morning, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for more of the Holy Spirit? By the time I went forward at a meeting to receive prayer and be baptized in the Spirit, I knew that other Christians had something in God that I did not have, and I really wanted that. I was thirsty hungry and thirsty for more of God. A little nervous maybe, but definitely thirsty. So this morning, we're going to pray in a moment. I want to encourage you to come with faith. Do you believe that this gift is for you? Because it really is. God says it is. If you're not sure yet, then I'd rather sit down with you with an open Bible than just pray. So I want you to understand from Scripture why this gift is for you, why God says it's for you and not just everybody else. The Bible talks about coming to Jesus and drinking. It requires an action on your part. It's not a passive, God will get me if he likes. It's like you come to him and drink. Come with faith and expectation. Remember that the Holy Spirit coming to you, you being filled or empowered, baptized in the Holy Spirit is not your idea, it's God's. You haven't got to convince him about it. You don't have to beg. You just need to ask, like James was saying earlier, it's ask and receive. 
Often it's by the laying on of hands and through prayer. And how will you know? Well, you'll know. There will be some evidence. The day of Pentecost, there was evidence as the believers spoke in other tongues, other languages. Often, the evidence is speaking in tongues, other languages, be they earthly languages or a heavenly language. It's not always that, but it is often that. Maybe something else like prophecy. That's another example you see in Scripture. Believers are filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Maybe for you it's something else, like a, an amazing awareness of God's love and goodness towards you. You might fall over. That's not God pushing you over. That's just your body reacting to the presence of God. My point is this. It doesn't matter what it is, but rather there will be some evidence of the Holy Spirit filling you, coming to you. So let me ask you, this morning, friends, have you received the Holy Spirit? Paul was not afraid to ask that question, and nor should we. And if you're not sure, that's okay. Being not sure is an okay starting point. It's not a good finishing point, but it's fine as a starting point. When I ask people this question, a typical response is, I, I don't know, I'm not sure. That's okay, don't be embarrassed by that. For years, I knew that I hadn't received the Holy Spirit. For years, I went to meetings where people were prayed for, where they received the Spirit, but I was too embarrassed and, to be honest, probably too proud to go forward for prayer. Maybe a little scared as well, but mainly for me, I think the issue was pride. I was a home group leader. I preached. I led worship. I've been a Christian for quite a long time. But I knew I wasn't filled with the Spirit. And it took a long time for God to break through. By the time I was baptized in the Spirit, I was hungry, thirsty, and desperate for more of God. But listen, I was foolish to wait so long. Don't be like that this morning. Be eager and be hungry. If you're not sure, that's okay. Come and be filled again. Can't be filled with his presence. Mike Pilavachi says this. A friend of ours was once asked whether he believed in the second blessing. He replied, yes. It happens right between the first blessing and the third blessing. He's right. We receive everything in Christ. But we can also be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just once, but many times as we follow God. So this morning... Whether it's your first time, second or third time, or hundredth time, it doesn't matter. But it's time to receive. If you're a believer this morning, then God has more for you. And if you're full of his presence this morning, if you feel totally empowered, baptized, full of the Holy Spirit, listen, God still has more. He really does. So are you thirsty? Are you hungry for more of him? Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but rather, or instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. But a translation is, go on being continually filled with the Spirit. Not it's a one-off occasion, it's every day. Be filled with the Spirit. Go on being filled with the Spirit. Go on being empowered by Him. 
So friends, let me ask you, is this your daily experience? Is this your reality of life? That's what God wants for you. It's not just about what happens in a meeting, maybe years ago or recently. It's about every day. Every day. And if you're thinking, oh, can I respond again? Listen, you can respond again. I was preaching on this subject, confession time here. I was preaching on this subject a few weeks ago in Burton. And I was trying to illustrate the point that when I was first baptized in the Spirit, after that, if there was any call for prayer, I would go forward to be filled with the Spirit again. It didn't matter what it was, whatever it was, I was there at the front going, yeah, pray for me again. I want to be filled afresh with the Spirit. And I hadn't planned this illustration very well. So a few weeks ago, I, I said something like, you know, the call could be for one-legged pregnant cats, and I'll go forward to receive prayer. And I'm like, what did I just say? John comes to me after the meeting and goes, one-legged pregnant cats? I'm like, yeah, it wasn't the best illustration. But the point was, it didn't matter what people were saying, come and be prayed about, I just wanted to receive prayer. I was hungry. So this morning, are you hungry? I believe God wants to come and meet many of you afresh. Can a band come up, please? I want us to pray in a moment. Remember, this is not about goosebumps in a meeting. It's about power in life. So follow Jesus and be his witnesses. This morning is about getting close to God, hearing him, about being filled again with his spirit. And I believe for many of you this morning that God wants to, to come afresh and fill you afresh with his spirit. And as that happens... There's going to be some unblocking of streams. There's going to be some words of life spoken. There's going to be some new gifts given because the Holy Spirit comes to give gifts. And there's going to be the ability then for you to fan into flame the gift of God. That which he has already given you that maybe has got a bit dry or underused lately but he wants to breathe on the fresh. So friends, can we stand together, please? <clears throat> I'm going to pray. And if you put your hand up earlier, or if this morning you know that you just want to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit, as I pray, I'd like you to come and walk to the front, please. Listen, there is nothing magical about walking to the front. It's not that the carpet here is somehow more anointed than the carpet there. But I think what happens is God does something in our hearts. As we take a step and say, yeah, God, I'm hungry for you. I'm thirsty for you. God comes to us. So I'm going to pray. And when I open my eyes, I want to see some of you here. Because we're going to pray, and God is going to meet you. Amen? Amen? So, Father, I want to pray this morning 
God, that you would come in power. Thank you, Lord, that you love to answer this particular prayer. Thank you, God, that you are a good father who loves to give good gifts to his children. And this morning we say, God, would you pour out your spirit once again? And Lord, we say this morning we're hungry and thirsty for you. And so, Father, I pray for any who want more of you this morning, that, God, you would meet their prayer, you would hear their heart cry, and pour the Holy Spirit out in power. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.